The first one is from chapter 6 of Romans in just two verses, 22 and 23, and it's on page 861 of the Pew Bible. And it reads like this. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then secondly, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, page 864. And it reads like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. May these two short readings be a blessing to us all as the message is brought to us based on these readings by Jason. Thanks, Roger. Glennis, if you uh, grab those cards and pass them out. We've got uh, the text for the year as the focus today, and um, Glennis has got a little card for you um, take away with you. And uh, I'll encourage you to have a read of that. Put it somewhere where you can um, ponder on it, reflect on uh, not just that verse, but the entirety of what it stands for. Last year, we began our journey through the book of Romans with our text for 2022 from Romans 1, uh, verses 16 and 17. And that was, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And Alistair has uh, been leading us through a shorter study recently of the book of Habakkuk, uh, which ties closely to um, that uh, text from Romans, verse 17 in particular. And this year, as we continue through the book of Romans, we've chosen the text for this year to be Romans chapter 6, verses 22 to 23, which has just been read for us from Roger. Uh, I want to encourage you to reread the book of Romans as we continue to study it as a church, and read ahead uh, in what I sometimes think of as the sequel, the book of Hebrews. And, of course, read through the other letters and scriptures as we grasp uh, the word of God this year. And as we take a look at this uh, text for the year, I want to look at it through the lens of a quote uh, by an American theologian, Earl Rademacher. And he says this, I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. That seems to cover all facets of salvation, doesn't it? I am saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. So what does that mean? Often the three tenses of salvation, which he suggests here, are, um, are defined through three words. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. I am saved. 
the past tense of salvation. It's the justification we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Son of God. Verse 23 in the text says just that. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's only through Jesus Christ that we get given the gift of eternal life. And the second reading which Roger gave us uh, from Romans 10 uh, states the same thing. If we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And verse 10 of that says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Our text for the year also shows a contrast between being governed by God or being governed by sin. We're told we've earned death through sin. Hence why Paul uses the term wages of sin is death. In contrast to receiving eternal life, which Paul describes as a result of the free gift of God that comes through Jesus Christ. And this uh, verse itself would lead on to some rather deep theological discussion uh, that has been discussed since the church began. Uh, and it's still being fully comprehended for us to get our minds around. If salvation is a free gift that can only be obtained through Jesus Christ, and therefore there's nothing we can do to be able to earn it, then is there anything we can do that forfeits this free gift? I remember at university as various Christians from all over New Zealand would come in a hall of residence, and often we talked about our faith, and, and we asked these questions, once saved, always saved? If someone turns away from Christ, does that mean that they were never saved to begin with? Uh, these are things that I don't want to answer right now, although many of you are, will know the answer, but there might be some difference of opinion or wonderings. It's something that we want to grasp as we go through this year. Romans 10 demonstrates a point in where we are saved when we have declared Jesus as our Lord with our mouths and believe it in our hearts. It might be via an altar call. Or it might be privately in your own home. It might be in a, by a sudden and great revelation, or it might be through the knowledge you've gained from your childhood. One of the best things I think about the technology we have in this day and age uh, with online streaming, which Roger and David do endlessly every week, is that um, there's no awkwardness in about preaching salvation. Because um, I, I, I think I know pretty much everyone here, um, but I don't know who might be joining us online. And I don't know who might be, perchance, listening to a message from this day or from any other church which talks about salvation. And so I pray that God directs people to hear about salvation. Uh, and with the technology there, it opens up the world to declaring God's word. But I also want to make sure that we don't give the impression that this initial step of faith, simply stating that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts, is simply a formula or a method that we follow without the Holy Spirit interacting. Just as there is spoken confession at a point in our lives, so too it involves a heart. Perhaps when you first confessed Jesus as Lord in your life, uh, there was an emotion or an element of the heart that remains part of your journey of faith. For some people, I suspect it's joy. You see them uh, confessing, believing in the Lord, and there's this joy which carries on in their whole lives throughout their journey of faith. Perhaps there's some other 
element of the heart or emotion that you can reflect on uh, when you look at your journey of faith. For me, on the day when I um, prayed and asked Jesus to be my saviour, I also said that whatever happened, I wanted to keep on following his call, even if everyone else was walking in a different direction. And I think that element of the heart, determination, is something which I continue with and I see in my journey of faith. Have a time to think about what elements of the heart are part of your journey of faith. The second portion of the quote, I am being saved, the present tense, leads to the term sanctification, a setting apart to become or being made holy. And I compare it to the phrase that Paul states to the church in Philippi. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Once saved or justified, then every day we should be able to show our salvation both through word and deed. This is where our faith and our works act together in regards to our salvation. Uh, it's the second portion of the quote or of uh, the salvation I want us to reflect on in today's message. So I'll come to that very soon again. The third part of the quote, I will be saved, speaks of our salvation or glorification at the end of the age. We will be resurrected like Jesus and receive eternal life in a body like Christ was given. Some of you I know are saying amen to that with those aches and pains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's even greater than that. It is a promise of salvation that we are waiting for. Consider again the three words that form the whole of the concept of salvation. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification, 100% done by Christ. By accepting this, we are justified by this gift. Sanctification, this involves a faith and works of the believer. Your behavior and what you say should show that you are saved by Christ. Glorification, all believers will be glorified with the resurrection and a new body like Christ. Uh, Chuck Missler is another theologian who Alistair referred to in the study of Habakkuk uh, with the cycle of nations or uh, the cycle of uh, empires. And he uh, discusses a wee bit more about these three tenses of salvation. He says, um, when we are justified through Christ, it's being separated from the penalty of sin, or as our text says, of the wages of sin. When we are sanctified, we're separated by, from the power of sin. And when we are glorified at the end of age, we'll be separated from the presence of sin. Sin will be no more when we are in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Justification removes the guilt and penalty of sin. Sanctification removes the growth and power of sin. So let's look a little bit more at the sanctification, the I am being saved, or the working out our salvation with fear and trembling. The road to eternal life is a continuous journey, not because we must or can earn our way to it, but because Christ wants to continue to shape us for such a joyous occasion. Paul makes this comment. He gives us an analogy, an example, in the first letter of Corinthians about a man who only just makes it through to uh, the glorification. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, 
I'll read verse 12 to 15. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, that foundation being Jesus Christ. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Not a gift, but a reward. So it's talking about something other than salvation. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a war of flames. Are we working out our salvation with fear and trembling rather than ending up like that man escaping through a war of flames? I've tried to create another little Pauline analogy of my own um, to show that sort of example and um, comparing this journey of faith to the journey of a deep sea diver. Uh, how to avoid the bends is a little thing up here. Uh, and it's got some little ideas about what a deep sea diver must do to make sure that you don't suffer from the bends um, when your body cannot cope with a change in pressure. And I've suggested let's change that to transitioning to eternal glorification. Okay, how do we um, cope with the change from our human bodies to this time we are glorified in Christ? And just as I've given some tips here uh, for the bends, so too we can consider some ways we prepare ourselves uh, so that we are not shell-shocked from the change. So in the first instance down the bottom for the bends, I've said use a dive computer. Uh, and I've suggested um, pay attention to what Jesus says to you. That includes the next bit which says stay hydrated while staying strong in reading God's word and pray regularly. When you're deep sea diving, you need to check your dive gear. So for, as a Christian on our journey, as we surface, um, we need to think about our dive gear, our, our gear, and put on the full armour of God. While um, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol if you're diving deep, um, so too we need to think about what do we put into our lives as Christians. In James it says, keep yourself from being polluted by the world. What do we fill our time with? Dive within your limits. I'm suggesting grow in your faith. Don't stay sheltered too much. Actually look at how you mature as you uh, journey your journey of faith. Plan maximum depth. I'm just changing that to... Uh, help one another to grow in perseverance in each other's Christian walk. This is not a journey by ourselves. Uh, let's look to each other and see how we can support one another in the challenging times to celebrate in the great times. They suggest 24 hours minimum before flying after you've been diving. Uh, and we don't know when Christ returns. So be ready for Christ's return at any time. And just as they say, do a safety stop on the way up, well, it's for us to make sure that we reflect on our journey of faith as we travel in this life. Let me give you three biblical examples of characters from the Old Testament who were working out their salvation. Joseph, 
he uh, told his brothers that the evil they intended at the beginning, God used for good and to save many from the famine. Um, but it was not until later on that Joseph realized and understood God's working in his dreams, in dreams which he dreamt and then interpreted to his brothers. It wasn't until much later on that he realized what God was doing and working in them, rather than just the pride of what the dreams meant. Abraham was taken on a road trip around the promised land, the land that was going to be given as an inheritance to his children. He knew he was going somewhere even greater than that. God even revealed some of the darkest times that would occur in Abraham's offspring to him. God wanted Abraham to grow in faith so that he would be called the father of all those who would be put their faith in God. And Moses spent 40 years in Egypt before spending 40 years in the desert before being called back to lead the Israelites for another 40 years in the wilderness. It was a journey that would expand a lifetime. As you consider working out your salvation, the sanctification part of it, how might you be reflective in your journey? What I might mean by this is, while it's wonderful to be able to look back and see God's hand and the direction he gives you and the outcomes of things, are you ready and brave enough to believe God is telling you what to do and then go ahead and do what he asks of you even now? rather than always just leaving it to happen by circumstance and look back and see how God made it happen. How might we hear God telling us to make a bold step forward? To be ready for this, you must make room to have quiet times where you study God's word and listen to him speak to you through the Holy Spirit. There needs to be times of silence. We need to set real Sabbaths in our lives filled with prayer. Perhaps you need to reflect on key verses, prophecies or words of knowledge that are given to you. We have a text of the year uh, for this church. Have you chosen a personal text for the year for yourself? Have a think about that. Is there a text for the year for you personally that you are going to put on the fridge, write um, on a piece of paper and keep nearby to ponder on? And instead of me asking people, what's your favorite book in the Bible? What if I were to ask you, which book or passage or verse in the Bible defines the journey God has given you? What would it be? Take time to think about that. I'd love to hear some responses sometime. You don't, don't rush into it. Have a think about, what, is there a book in the Bible? Is there a passage or maybe just a verse that defines the journey of faith God has set up for you? For me... It's the book of James. In 2023, there are three things that I want us just to ponder and reflect on and maybe focus on during the year. First, have a certainty in your salvation. If you've confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved. You don't have to wait to the end of age to see if you got it right or did enough. That's not how it works. Have a certainty in your faith in Jesus. Secondly, Paul likens our Christian walk to running a race. In saying this, he suggests there is an urgency in our calling. And as you work out your salvation, recognize the urgency in that calling. When you compete in a race, there's always an urgency. You want to win the race, you want to run it as quickly as you can. 
And while there's always an urgency in sharing the gospel message, I have a feeling there's an urgent urgency in 2023. I think it is a season where hearts have already been softened and other hearts will be softened uh, to be open to hearing about God's word. But it may be just a short season. I don't know. If this is the case, then there is an urgency for us to share the good news and to get people to take that first step of faith. Finally, uh, third point I want you to consider and ponder. Understand God's word. Look to grasp a deeper understanding of it. There are unfamiliar things in it for this present age. We need to be aware of it, open to what we haven't understood in the past, but also wary of man-made ideas rather than the true word of God. And this is a challenge in a walk of faith. If you've been a Christian for some time, then we've probably grown accustomed to things that we understand or certain beliefs that we've grown up to and hold to. Are we prepared to be challenged on the ones that we hold but haven't explored further in God's word? That's what Paul challenges his listeners to do, to grow in maturity. But there's also a lot of new ideas out there that aim to make God's word palatable in today's society. Test new ideas out with God's word. Study carefully what you are told and ensure that you aren't misled. Let's just conclude with uh, reading the text for the year again, and then I'm going to pray. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that led to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for your word and for your love to each one of us here. Lord, I pray now if anyone, whether it's online or listens to us or a week later or whenever, are wondering about salvation, have not called to you as their Lord, I pray that right now they would confess with the mouth and believe in their hearts that you are who you said you are. Lord, you are our saviour. You died and you rose again so that we could have eternal life with you forever. Ever. And Lord, for those who have taken that step and are on the journey of sanctification, we commit ourselves to you, Lord. Guide us, teach us to hear you more clearly and help us to react, to respond when you call us to be your hands and your feet. This year, Lord, I pray both for individuals here in this church, in this community, and also as a church, as a body of Christ. Guide us, Lord. Teach us your ways. Help us to live in a way that demonstrates our faith in you, that we believe in you and are saved. In Jesus' name, amen.